birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, baby girl Ava. Officially 10 years old. I don't know, maybe someday in the future you actually listen to this podcast. And uh, just know that daddy loves you. And I'm proud of you. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll still always be your first love before you <laughs> before you uh, one of these little boys tries to snatch you up. Anyway, I hope everyone's having an amazing day. Yes, uh, it's eleven oh nine in the evening on this beautiful. What was it? Yeah, of course it's May twenty fourth. Yeah, my daughter's birthday. Um, had a little, little bit of a geriatric moment for a hot second. But yeah, today's been a long day. Good day, though. I was able to drive for a little while and uh, met some cool people, had some great conversations. Um, yeah, I was able to talk to my daughter on the phone and my other three kids. Man, there's so much stuff I could say. Yeah, what I want to share. What exactly do I want to share? All right, I'll share one story from driving for, uh, (laughs) I like to call it, uh, Raybu. Is that right? Is that how you say it? Because Uber backwards is Raybu. R-E-B-U, U-B-E-R. Yeah, there you go. Uh... Raybu, I'll share a Raybu story, and then, well, yeah, and then I will, what else can I share? I'll maybe share one thing just about life in general, and then I'll get into this, this scripture, which today it is uh, Cornelius's vision, Acts chapter 10, so... All right, so I had this cute you know, little young lady. First ride, yeah, first ride of the day was this nice uh, young lady. And, um, yeah, Sierra, which is funny. I have, it's rare that I meet a white Sierra. I also met a white Mercedes today. I've never in my life met a white Mercedes. It totally threw me off. Yeah, usually that's. Mercedes looks more like me. So does Sierra. So anyway, picked up a white Sierra today. Uh and yeah, at, at a casino of all places. But uh and um I was taking her to the airport and we had a good little talk. She was just telling me um What is she telling me? We had a good little talk. She we were talking about how um she lives in Denver and she was talking about like how so our conversation quickly went into like Christian talk, like just talking about our relationships with, with Jesus and she was just saying that it's hard for her to have conversations like that with people out in Denver because a lot of more people are into like the new age stuff and the crystals and the sage and all that kind of stuff and um that was a good talk I could share more but yeah 
Oh man, it was so tempting to uh it's like people like that I could talk to like our, the way our conversation was going. It's like you just want to stay in the car and drive for like th- at least 30 more minutes and talk some more. You know, you like are so sad that the conversation's ending. And it's tempting to ask for it was tempting to ask for a phone number, but like I usually only let my riders if yeah, they offer you know, or they request my number, then I'll give them like my generic little Google voice number. But rarely does it ever go anywhere. Like even the times I've tried to pursue one of my riders, whatever, and then then they express interest, like it has never gone anywhere. Um, The door usually shuts or I don't feel comfortable in my spirit to keep going um talking or whatever so yeah as nice as that conversation was yeah she was divorced as well she's a single mom has one daughter or whatever anyway yeah oh well so which brings me to my next point just a life just a general life thing is like i'm realizing after talking to my kids today on the phone i don't i really need realize i need to call my kids more even if it's just Say, hey, how you doing? Um, I usually send them text and they sometimes, a lot of times they don't even respond to those. They usually will text me when they need something or have a question. <laughs> they just be, yeah. And I realize, yeah, some of my texts aren't going through. Like, my daughter said she didn't get my birthday text that I sent her this morning. Yeah, I wished her, I sang that Stevie Wonder song to her. She said she didn't get it. Uh, there was an email I sent to their mom, too, about hanging out with her. Yeah, whole because my daughter wants to have a whole special day with me. And uh, their mom didn't get the email. I just, yeah, I just texted their mom today. And anyway, like, I'm realizing some of my messages aren't going through. So um, I bet you that's how I, I was telling my brother. I bet you that's how God feels about us sometimes. Like he'd be sending us all these messages. <laughs> And for some reason, sometimes they don't go through. And yeah, like when we actually get on our knees and spend time to just like in prayer with him and like give him our undivided attention, it's kind of like actually having a phone call. Speaking of that, I need to call my grandma. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's like having an undivided conversation with God, you know, just pouring our, when we just really pour our hearts out to him. Um, Anyway, or even better than that, it's like having an in-person meeting with him. Like I'm going to get ready to have my daughter next week. So, um, yeah, officially, all my kids are officially in the double digits. Yeah, my youngest daughter is now 10 years old. So, yeah, I have a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 11, and 10. But, yeah, so... Stair steps. Um, but yeah, after talking to my daughter on the phone, and just I'm realizing, like, yeah, I just had this whole thought. I was like, man, my kid, this is going to go by. Like, before I know it, they're going to be grown. And it's funny. Um, I was, my kid said that 
technically tomorrow is their last day of school, but they are um, not going tomorrow. So today was their last day because, yes, yeah, they were like, well, all they're doing is signing yearbooks. And I was like, that's the best part. I was like, that's when I used to find out about what girls like. I mean, I would get their phone numbers and I had girls to talk to all summer. Um, anyway, this new generation, uh, they different, they built different, uh, wired different. So in fact, that's what my oldest daughter, Leah says, she's like, we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> uh, and then I told, yeah, my youngest daughter about the time I, cause I asked her, did any boys kiss her today or give her anything for her birthday? She's like, nope. None of them. Not even my own teacher told me happy birthday. It's like, oh, they haters. But anyway, um, I told her about the time my third grade girlfriend, Courtney Draper, I gave her, I stole a ring from my mom and gave it to her. I thought it was a ring my mom wouldn't need. So, but apparently it was my mom's engagement ring. And I gave it to her, to Ava. I mean, not Ava, Courtney. Ava's my daughter. Courtney, I gave it to Courtney Draper. And uh I probably shouldn't have said her last name like that. Hey, there's a bunch of Courtney Drapers out there and you don't know how she spells Courtney. Anyway, I gave it to Courtney and then I had to go back. Yeah, my mom one day was like, Hey, where's my ring? Freaking out. I was like, Oh crap, I go get this ring back. And thank God Courtney did not lose the ring. I'd ask her for the ring back. Yeah, she gave it to me. And yeah. And then I pretended like I lost the ring. Or no, I pretended like I found the ring under like a rug or something like that. And I gave it to my mom. And I don't think she was suspicious of anything. So uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, I'm just realizing that as much as I would like a wife or a girlfriend right now that could lead that will lead into being a wife. Man, first of all, there's still a whole lot of things that I want to have in place before that happens. Like some of the goals I would like to have is just like my credit all the way cleaned up. Like to own at least a duplex. Um, Yeah, have like at least about 10 grand, five to 10 grand, well, 10 grand stash away in the bank. And yeah. My yeah, my car paid off. I want to have some things in place. Just be financially set, you know? For the most part, financially stable. And also like uh have some yeah, not be doing Uber or Raybu anymore. Um just living off of this podcast and writing and shoot yeah at the most my third hustle is like just we'll just be selling stuff online e-commerce um yeah so and then honestly every extra dollar that i have right now um oh yeah yeah i need to have all my child support caught up i'm almost there i got like 10 grand left about nine ninety five hundred somewhere around there and some change I still owe their mom. Yeah, so getting that all paid off, right? Be completely caught up with that. And then, yeah, any extra dollars that I have, 
or yeah expendable income our that money really should just be going toward my kids um i i'd rather yeah invest in them than a wife right now so as nice as it would be um who knows god could turn things around today right everything i just said with a snap of a finger could change right overnight uh but honestly right now i'm forecasting like another five years like i could like or four years i've had that number in my head for a while now like i probably won't get remarried until i'm like about 40 years old and i'm learning to be okay with that so in john chapter four is carrying me through now yeah so all right there's so much more i could say but maybe that would help somebody out i got so many more stories and things i could share i'm full of stories but you know what was going to get into the work some of y'all be like this dude when is he going to get around to the bible all right Acts chapter 10, Amplified Version, Cornelius' vision. Now at Caesarea Maritima. Maritima. I don't know. We'll just say that. Maritima. There was a man named Cornelius. It's my actual, my grandfather's, my maternal. No, my. um, Is it? Yeah. Paternal. Yeah, my father my paternal grandfather on my dad's side that's yeah the one that sings that yeah a lot of the intros um in fact yeah yeah i'll make sure to make the intro to where my grandpa is singing on this one that's my maternal my paternal grandfather singing cornelius cnc i think he's the third or the second I think he's a, he's a second, yeah. I think he's a second. Yeah. All right. Now at Caesarea Maritima, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who, along with all his household, feared God. I hope that's what would be said about me in the in this story that's being written about us this ongoing uh story our story is already written in heaven it's my personal belief and that story is way better than anything that i will ever pub ever publish and so um i hope that it would say and aaron was a devout man along with all his household, and they feared God. Next it says, he made many charitable donations to the Jewish people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour, or 3 p.m. of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had come to him and said, Cornelius! (laughs) Cornelius, verse 4, was frightened and stared intently at him and said, What is it, Lord, sir? And the angel said to him, Your prayers and gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God 
an offering made in remembrance of his past blessings. Hmm. This is very powerful because at times, I wonder what the significance is of it being 3 p.m. Some of y'all, you're like, why should I give to church? You know, they don't, you know, they got, they a big old corporation or, you know, they're all about just taking my money. Um, just know when you're giving to your local church or doing anything in the name of God, right? He, to build his kingdom, or you see a homeless person on the side of the road and, you know, give them some money, whatever. God, yeah, you know, God sees all that. He sees it all. And some of you, we don't give to get or to get a reward, but there are rewards. Like, I would, my brother and I, we talk a lot about how God's stock market, his the kingdom of God, his, his stock market, his bank, pays off the best dividends, the best interest rates, Better than a tre- and it's guaranteed. Better than the, right now that U.S. Treasury bonds are in question because they got this whole debt ceiling debate and all this stuff going on, and people are talking about the risk of default and all. There's a lot of craziness going on. Our, basically, our our world's economy has shown itself that it's very unstable between the banks that were shut down, um, and then you know the stock market is always very volatile, always up and down. Even our own government treasury bonds are in question. Even the government, the U.S. The United States government, they're they used to have a triple A credit rating. When now even our own government has bad credit. <laughs> they were downgraded to like a double A or something. I don't know how it works. I forgot what it's called. Anyway, they ain't got perfect credit no more. And so, um, yes, God's bank account. The yeah, the kingdom of God bank slash kingdom of God stock market. It's better than the NASDAQ, better than the S&P 500, better than all that, Dow Jones. And, and, and the dividends paid out are eternal. So, yes, it goes, this ties into that scripture about not storing your treasures on earth, but storing your treasures in heaven where moth or rust or thieves destroy, breaking, all that good stuff. All right, so there you go. I'm reading again, verse four. Cornelius was frightened and stared intently at him and said, "What is it, Lord, sir?" And the angel said to him, "Your prayers and gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God, an offering made in remembrance of His past blessings." Verse five. Now send men to Joppa and have them call for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. And invite him here. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Once again, another example of how the Bible can be confusing because there's multiple Simons. There's like at least three or four Simons. Um, that I, yeah. Uh, Verse 7. When the angel who was speaking to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among his own personal attendants. And after explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Cornelius stirred my dad's older brother, who passed around the same time as my dad, 
he is the one who sings the Jesus gave me water song at the end of this recording. So there, yeah. Jesus gave me water. I know Jesus gave me water. Jesus gave me water. And it was not from the well. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, uh, it's funny. One of my uh, Rebu writers, he's the one who put me on to, because uh, one of my favorite evangelist quotes I use a lot with my writers, I tell them how John, talking about John 4, especially the alcoholics who struggle with alcohol. I'm like, hey, have you ever heard of the woman at the well, John 4? Anyway, I told that to one of my Uber writers. And um, he was like, yo, that's like that Sam Cooke song, Jesus Gave Me. I didn't know Sam Cooke sang Jesus Gave Me Water. So if you, I like my cousin, I mean, my Uncle Cornelius' version better. Um, but yeah, there is a Sam Cooke version of that song. It's wild, too. I was just talking to my brother. There's, you know, I'm full of, this is going to be a longer recording because <laughs> I'm just in the talkative mood. I don't have a girlfriend right now. None of my lady friends are really talking to me right now. They all got, they all busy and I, I'm trying not to be a bugaboo. So, um, even my own daughters, <laughs> they'd be all short with me. They don't like to hear my, this is like a place for me to share my stories and some random stranger from Timbuktu is listening. So, uh, where was that? Yeah. So I was, there's this. Uh, reel I watched recently with um, Shannon Sharp. He talks about how he didn't take a shower inside of a house, or yeah, indoor an indoor shower till he was twenty one years old, or some like away in college or something like that. Um, and yeah, he talked about how he used to drink well water, and yeah, he had to use a, an outhouse. And made me think of my dad. Yeah, my dad drank well water growing up. And he also um, used to use the bathroom at the now house. Like, they didn't have an indoor plumbing until he was 18 years old. And um, just thinking about that, I wish I, if I could talk to my dad right now, I'd just be like, hey, Pops, what kind of significance does the John John chapter four, the story of the woman at the well, have to you? Knowing that you grew up all those years drinking well water that had all little particles and sediments in it, but apparently it's better for you than this other water that has chlorine and whatever other stuff in it. Um, but it impacted you like your gallbladder. I think that's why my dad had his gallbladder taken on in his early twenties drinking all that well water but i'm sure that story in the bible had way more significance to my dad because he actually drank water from a well his whole like when he was a kid and then as he yeah eventually as an adult he started making money and he was able to take in yeah and just being able to use indoor plumbing like an actual bathroom and not he used to take baths in a big old tub I was telling my brother, I don't know how my dad did it. He had, he was one of 10 kids, and they all used that same outhouse. And you got to think of my, my grandparents. That's two adults. That's 12 people using an outhouse and sharing tubs. Like, they, they would rotate. The girls would bathe on one night, 
and the boys would bathe on another line, a big old steel tub. And they had to go get the water and all like I was telling my brother how we look at our kids like they don't know how good they got it. I'm sure my dad was looking at my brother and I was like, y'all don't know how good y'all got it. <laughs> but I don't ever really remember my dad throwing that in our face or saying, you know, when he would talk about his humble upbringing, he never like said it in such a way. And I got to catch myself when I do that with my kids, like saying like, you ungrateful kids, like, you know, and back in my day, we, we had, it was hard like this for us and you should be thankful. He never, I'll never remember my dad saying anything like that. He would tell us stories of his childhood, but he never did in such a way to like kind of shame us or make us feel like we're not appreciative enough. And that's one of the things I appreciate about my pops. Um, he never really, I never really, really remember him making me feel shame. Um, even when he would discipline us, it was more of like, you knew you did something wrong. He gave you a discipline. But I don't remember like feeling like covered in shame or condemnation when our dad would discipline us, even in the way he talked to us. He always giving us the word. So. All right. So verse seven, when the angel who was speaking to him had gone, Cornelius called to two of his servants in a devout soldier from among his own personal attendants. Wonder who this devout soldier was. Once again, it's another example of people in the Bible who are significant, but we don't know who, what their name was. All right, verse eight. And after explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their way and were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof of the house about the sixth hour or noon. Up on the rooftop, click, click, click. <laughs> he went up there on the sixth hour around noon or noon to pray. Verse 10, but he became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. This is getting really interesting. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet descending, lowered by its four corners to the earth. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not at all, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unholy and ceremonially unclean. Yeah, that, yeah, Peter was super devout. He had been skipping on ribs and, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no pig feet for him. Or chitlins and, yeah, baby backs. Verse 15, and the voice came to him a second time. And go back and read Ecclesiastes. That's what it talks about all the thing, the ritual stuff, the stuff they, the unclean animals and the, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, anything with a split hoof or and all this. Yeah, all the, yeah. Go back and read that. First, verse 15. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer considered common, unholy. This happened three times. And then immediately the object was taken up into heaven. So, yeah, that's a perfect example. I think I've told you all one of my favorite websites I like to go to a lot is BibleStudy.org and look at the numbers, the numerology in the Bible. 
and there you go it's a good example of the of the significance of the number three it's like a it's a number of completion you know you, you know you got the trinity whenever you see three see something three times yeah you might want to pay attention uh you hear something three times you see something three times and that's not a coincidence god is shoot sometimes god will show you something four times like i watched like three different sermons because i listen i like to watch greg rochelle um and i was watching the sermon for mother's day at graceway and then i watched harmony vineyards sermon and all three of those and there was a couple other messages. It just keeps happening. It's like like five. I'll, I even watched something with uh, Priscilla Shire recently with my kids. Um, and so in all those messages kept coming up that God will do it. That scripture where it talks about how he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask. Um, I keep hearing that message over and over again. Other message I keep seeing too is Galatians 2.20 about how um, it's no longer I who live. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. I had one of my Rebu writers tell me that scripture. Uh, I had, and I saw it somewhere else. And then today when I dropped off that pretty young lady, the white Sierra, uh, <laughs> how are I going to say princess peach sierra when i dropped her off at the airport um i there was a guy who had that scripture on his the back of his hoodie it said that scripture on the back of it so like, what is going on here all right all right so this happened three times and then immediately the object was taken up into heaven Verse 17, now Peter was still perplexed. I will be too. And complete. Hold on, what happened to Cornelius? All right, I guess we'll get there. All right, here he goes. If I just kept reading. We're about to find out. In verse 17, now Peter was still perplexed and completely at a loss as to what his vision could mean when the men who had been sent by Cornelius having asked directions to Simon's house arrived at the gate. See, God's timing is perfect. Watch this. Watch this. First, verse 18. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thoughtfully considering the vision, the spirit said to him, now listen, three men are looking for you. See, now... I personally feel like God speaks to me this way. I see stuff when I'm out and about throughout my day. But honestly, if God spoke to me like this, I don't know if I, <laughs> I'll be like, All right, I need to go home and take a nap. That's what I do. Like when I get overwhelmed throughout my day, because I'll be seeing, I see so much stuff throughout my day and all these different signs. And like what am I? Why am I seeing this guy? You trying to tell me something? What is going on? I feel like I hear God more through just like signs and visions and dreams. I don't really hear much of the audible voice of God. And so anyway, um, 
if this were to happen to me like this, I'd be like, I need to go home and take a nap. <laughs> All right, verse 20, get up, because, yeah, sometimes my brain starts getting on fire and stuff. It just, yeah, it overloads. Verse 20, get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitating or doubting, because I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. For what reason have you come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all the Jewish people, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging for the night. It was Hotel Peter. Uh, Peter asked us, which is very common back then, you didn't need a hotel or Airbnb. People actually let you stay at their house. Uh, all right. Peter asked Caesarea. The next day, Peter got up and left with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. On the following day, he and the others entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter arrived, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Hmm. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up! I, too, am only a man. As Peter talked with him, he entered the house and found a large group of people assembled. He said to them, You know that it is unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or befriend a Gentile or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I am not to call anyone common or ceremonially unclean. Therefore, when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. So I asked for what I asked for. What reason have you sent for me? Cornelius said four days ago to this hour. I was praying in my house during the ninth hour or from three to four p.m. And a man dressed in bright, dazzling clothing suddenly stood before me. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your acts of charity have been remembered before God so that he is about to help you. I need a I need a miracle like this. Verse 32. Therefore, send word to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. Notice it says everything you've been instructed by the Lord to say, not everything you feel like you is on your heart to say. <laughs> it's very specific. Very detailed. All right. Gentiles hear good news. Or just sharing whatever's on his mind. Interesting. All right. Gentiles hear good news. Verse 34. Opening his mouth, Peter said, Most certainly I understand now that God is not one to show partiality to people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. The person, that's what we want to be, people who fear God and do what is right by seeking him. Verse 36, you know the message which he, at least that's the the goal, the gold standard that I try my best to reach every day. I, and every day you know, I fall short in some area of my life, you know, 
but at least you try. <laughs> and and it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you that he empowers you to even have the desire to want to fear God and do what is right and seek him. Verse 36, you know, the message is more than just being a good person. It's what the world is missing. They're like, ah, just be a good person, you know, karma. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, rub these crystals together and burn this sage and everything will be all right. Kumbaya. It's like, no, nah, I don't quite work like that. Because that means you're operating on your own power or in the power of the this world. Right. It's similar to in the Prince of Egypt, which my kids had me watch with them asked me to watch when they were here this past weekend. They were showing Moses when he went into Pharaoh and I like, let my people go and he all the plagues came. Yeah, and the first thing he did was like, yeah, show yeah, before all the plagues came, he showed the snake. And um yeah, he took a staff and God turned the staff into a snake. And then there's a scene in there, yeah, where Pharaoh he he has this mad magicians and all that do the exact same thing because the devil loves to counterfeit what god does right it's his favorite thing is to be a counterfeit and um in the scene moses's snake swallows up pharaoh's snake and then yeah later on they try to duplicate all the other plagues that that moses does or god does through moses like turning the water, water the blood, and all that kind of stuff. Hey, we can do that too. Anyway, same thing with the world. They would love to do. It was interesting. One other side story. I was reading. There was this person I was trying to look up the name of, and I could not think of their name for anything. It was um, a young lady that I dated in college, or whatever, briefly, and. uh I just wanted to look. So it was bothering me that I couldn't remember her name. So I went and I looked in the year. I was able to find Truman State's yearbook from 2005 or 2006, technically, 05, 06. And uh, I was reading through there. They had all this stuff in there. And there was this whole little blurb in there about Harry Potter and how Harry Potter is like the new thing. And. And all these kids are going to see the Harry Potter movie, Potter movies and watching the books, reading the books. And um, and they were like talking about, yeah, evangelicals and Christians say this is bad. We shouldn't read this. And it's there. This girl is saying, like, it's just an escape. And deep down, everybody wants to be a witch or something like that. And I was reading some of the other details in there about like the basic premise of Harry Potter. I was like, this is so demonic talking about somebody coming back from the dead and all this to, to haunt somebody's family. I don't know, there's some wild, weird stuff in there, right? Where am I going with that? Yes. There was a lot of demonic witchcraft stuff going on there at Truman that I didn't even know about. Yeah, that's what that those books open people up to. So, yeah, if you're reading that or watching that stuff, I'm not your God. Thank God. Because I always say that's one of my favorite quotes. I'm not your God. And thank God. Because I don't know how he's able to balance grace. Where he's, There's a scripture that talks about where sin abounds, God's grace abounds or something like that. I'm just paraphrasing. But yeah, even right now, the United States is under God's grace and mercy. 
and we're on this we're treading water right we're we're uh walking the line as as johnny cash would say um we're on thin ice and if our nation doesn't repent soon and turn to god there are gonna be some more con you thought covid was bad there's gonna be some more wild stuff to come and i pray to god i'm raptured up out of here before it gets too crazy so y'all think the shootings are bad now the shootings and every time you look in the news something crazy is happening oh this we ain't seen nothing yet we haven't seen lawlessness on the level that it could get and it's just like god's grace and mercy is on our on this world right on, on our nation and around the world but especially here in the united states um how do i get on the whole side tangent all right but in every verse 35, but in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. You know, the message which he sent to the sons of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know, the things that have taken place throughout Judea, starting in Galilee after the baptism preached by John. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with him. Hmm. Verse 39, we are personally eyewitnesses of everything that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem in particular. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him to life on the third day and caused him to be plainly seen, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen and designated beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank together with him after he rose from the dead. So he's just like, just in case you didn't know, let me let me tell the story to you again. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people, both Jew and Gentile, and to solemnly testify that he is the one who has been appointed and ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. Now, that's one of the hard things <laughs> that I just have to admit as a Christian that I struggle with because it doesn't say he suggested because, you know, there's that one scripture that talks about go into all the world and preach the gospel there's that's a command the great the the great commission it's called the great commission not the great suggestion he commanded us to preach to the people both jew and gentile and to solemnly testify that he is the one who has been appointed and ordained by god as judge of the living and the dead now the, the other challenging part about this is that our lives should be living testimonies, living epistles, like living like books that people read. And when they look at our lives, they should see like a, or when they smell us more than just like a, I had another lady today. She noticed my wristband that has Team Jesus on it and John three sixteen or whatever. But even more than that, the harder thing to do is like even if I didn't wear a wristband, would that person know that I smell, that I act, that I look, that I talk? that I um, carry myself like a Christian, Christ-like, that I love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that I'm able to love them 
as myself, love my neighbor as myself, that's that kindness. That's what the world misses. Like, oh, just be kind, just be a good person, be a good human being. And it's like, but that only goes so far. Yeah, it's great. Yes. I know a lot of people who don't claim to be Christians who are a lot kinder and do a lot more good works and just acts of kindness than Christians do, right? But even then, there's limitations to that. And Jesus, Jesus, power. And all those, and he calls our work good works like filthy rags, like menstrual pads. So like, yeah, you, you're a great person. Awesome. Pat you on the back. Thank you. We need more Christians to act like you. But at the end of the day, when we stand before the Lord, like those good works are all like filthy rags if they had nothing to do with building God's kingdom. They were just building our own kingdom, the kingdom of this world, rather than, yeah, being a good human and being a good person. We weren't, if it's outside of Christ, yeah. So anyway, what I'm ultimately saying, though, is one of the biggest challenges as Christians and what Christians get a bad rep for right now in the media, especially is like not coming across as loving and being very, ju- very judgmental. And people need to see the love of God in us before it's almost like our lives, when they look at our lives, those, how do I say it? It's like, you, you like, you like, ah, oh, I want to emulate that. And there's a conviction there. Like you ever been around people and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I cursed, whatever. Or um, they start to change up how they act or they talk when they're around you, especially when they find out you're a Christian. And I'm like, I'm not sure God at the end, of, honestly, there's been times where I've said some of the very words you're saying right now, like in when I'm by myself or whatever, or like when I'm frustrated or angry or, you know, I've had, I got some thoughts going on in my head right now that are worse than the things that are coming out of your mouth. So don't feel like you got to correct your behavior for me. Like God is the one you should fear, not me. And that's that's ultimately, if I could say anything, the wrap of nice little bow around everything I've said up until this point is that is what's missing from our nation right now is the, in our world is the fear of God, knowing that he sees everything we do, everything we say. So, Lord, help us. All right. Verse 43. Oh, I'm running out. Almost running out of time. We have 47 minutes. I told you I was going to be a long one. We're almost done, though. Verse 43, all the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him, whoever trusts in and relies on him, accepting him as Savior and Messiah, receives forgiveness of sins. So that's something that's still kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, how God could send just or like people that are trying to be good people or just trying to do the right thing how they can be condemned to hell or, you know, and why is Jesus? Yeah. Jesus, the only, the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the father except through him. So John 14, 
Yeah, John fourteen six. You know, he says, "On the way, the truth, and the life." It's in the world tries to say, "There's oh, but there's many ways." Like, and Jesus is like, "Nope, I'm the only way. I'm the only door to heaven. I'm the only door to the relationship with God. I'm the only way that your sins will be pardoned." And when I stand before God, and He's like, "Why should I let you into my heaven, into into my kingdom?" And I'm like. Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus, because, yeah, all the nice things that I've done over the years, it's not enough to pay the penalty for my sin that Jesus did on the cross. All right, verse 44, let's close it out. While time to land the plane, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message, confirming God's acceptance of Gentiles. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Wow, there's like a whole sermon right here and some Bible calculus, but we're not going to go that deep. I'm sure Tony Evans has some really good commentary about this. Verse 46, for they heard them taking in unknown tongues, I mean, talking, not taking, talking in unknown tongues, languages and exalting and magnifying and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone refuse water for these people to be baptized since they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay there for a few days. Now, man, this is like, uh, I love when the Bible does stuff like this, a God does stuff like this, where he, he kind of like distorts, distorts probably not a good word, but he kind of messes up, messes with our theology. Cause yeah, like the disciples, they're like, hold on a second. How did they receive the gift of tongues? And they haven't been baptized yet. He's like, they need, Hey, go baptize them immediately. Just to make sure we're good. I love stuff like this where people's like religion, because we make religion out of everything. Like you have to do this, 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 this to be saved. And it's like, it's like, no, he just says, accept me into your heart. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As simple as that. Yeah. Um, And then he does the washing and the cleansing and the restoration. The Holy Spirit does all that. Oh, man. Um. And some of the scriptures sometimes feel like they're contradicting one another. Because like over here it says this about this is the requirement of salvation. But over here it says blah, blah, blah. these people, there's many on that day who would say, Lord, Lord, we did this, your name, that name. And be like, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Like all these little things mess up with our, mess with our theology. And right here, our theology is kind of, at least in my opinion, is a little ruffled. Oh, it was a ruffle in their theology, I'm sure. He's like, hey these folks are speaking in tongues. Something about this ain't right. We need to make sure they're baptized. So people talk about you being baptized by, by water and by fire, by the Holy Spirit. This is what they're talking about. And I am, I don't have any yet. Once again, commentary in front of me. Um, something I'll have to go read later on this. And I don't have the degrees of uh, seminary (laughs) 
to go into the depth of the significance of what we just read. But I will say this. Sometimes, in my personal opinion, we expect God to move and act in certain ways that we have seen in church or based on our own expectations. We, yeah, it's very easy to try to put, yeah, all right, it's a good analogy. Yeah, my brother and I, we joke a lot about how women struggle when they meet a guy who they can't figure out or they it's hard for them to put him in a box like oh he works at this job and he likes to do this this and this he talks this way hangs out with this type of people and he's like this type of person like he's this archetype of a guy it throws them off when they meet a guy who's like more complex there might be some mystery around like what kind of work he does, but here he is making money somehow. And he, you know, somehow he's surviving at his own house and, you know, he makes pretty good money. And does he have a girlfriend? Does he not have a girlfriend? Is he single? What is, yeah. <laughs> is he a cornball or is he cool and mysterious? Yeah. Yeah. He's a mysterious dude. So yeah. Sometimes, a lot of times I feel as Christians in my personal opinion, in my own experience, it's easy to put God in a box. Like, based on how he's done things in the past in our lives, how he's operated in other people's lives, how we've seen him operate in the Bible over over time. There's these expectations, how we think God is going to act all the time. And it's like, at the end of the day, God is still a mystery. He is, in a good way, he is... Um, There's even that one scripture that talks about he uses the uses God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. The people that think they know everything. Like our world highly esteems somebody like Elon Musk or what is the other dude that just bought his new fiance a, a, a yacht with her face on it. Um Jeff Bezos. We look at these titans of industry, you know, people like Warren Buffett Buffett, and we put them on these pedestals. And I pretty much like worship these guys, right? And um, we think like, oh, or we look at like, say, a great pastor, right? I've done this a lot where I'm like, man, he must be like, how do I say it? Like in a respectful way. Like God really loves him. God really favors that person. Like he's done all like all the things right in his life and that's why he's blessed we look at somebody yeah we look at people who yep that's because they yeah they follow the dave ramsey plan they go to church every day they you know they do this this and this and that's why they're being blessed by god right we have basically put these people and people and we put labels on people and put people in boxes right and we think that's how god is always working right that's that's or based on world standards. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. A lot of times we mix our worldly standards of success and we mix it with Bible theology and we come up with these conclusions of like, this is what it means to have a blessed life. And this is what it means to have not have God's favor in your life or to are you or that person must have did something wrong. Or they must they there was something's wrong with them. 
And we have no clue what God is doing behind the scenes in that person's life. Never look at where somebody's at right now. Because you could have looked at Moses after he had murdered that Egyptian and had to go in exile for a while. You could look at, yeah, of course, Job is a classic example of having everything and losing everything. Um, go down the line, Joseph, Daniel, all these people. Yeah, Jonah who ran, David. And we have no clue what God is doing. We have no clue. We have glimpses of thinking we might know what God is doing. But at the end of the day, life is a tapestry. On one end, it's confusing. It can be ugly. There's all these strings crossing each other and doesn't make any sense it's just a blurb a blob blob and on the whole other side there's this beautiful 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 tapestry work of art and that's how our relationships are with with god and with our fellow man so heavenly father thank you for this word i know i've said a lot I just pray that at least the people that listen to this all the way to the end, or even if they listen for 30 seconds, that there at least be one thing that they take away that would draw them closer to you, Lord. And, and they would, that our lives would be marked like Cornelius, where it says in here that he was, where it was a devout man. Help us to be, yeah, labeled as devout people, Lord, who fear you, God and who have hearts of charity and pray to you always, God. Talk to you always. Empower us and help us to do the things you called us to do, even the things that we're afraid to do. Help us have wisdom and to be led by your spirit um, during these dark and evil times. Once again, this is the day you have made. We can and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And lastly, Lord, help us to know, Lord, that you can't be put in a box and um, sometimes you do things that just are kind of unorthodox Lord and that don't always make sense to us but you have a plan you have a purpose for all of it and also lastly know that our prayers even the ones that sometimes you might think are being hindered that you still are near the brokenhearted, that you hear our cries, you hear our prayers, and you, you see the ways we've invested and that there, is, there will be a day when there will be a return on our investments, Lord, whether it's in this life or the life to come. Help us to not lose hope. Help us to not lose faith in you. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us 
in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him, and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, give me water. I know Jesus gave me water. Jesus gave me water. And it was not from the well. Singing, Jesus gave me water. I know Jesus gave me water.